Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. I to do something that honestly is not going to be new to you, but if you could, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, if you could just hang with me and maybe open up your mind and open up your heart, because I really do believe this is something that God wanted to share with you today because it was not on my agenda to share this. So, um, you know, last night I was at a Cowboys game, and some people were at the Cowboys game too that are here, but I was sitting there, and I don't know if you've ever had moments like this where you're sitting in a place and there's people all around you, and all of a sudden you just start thinking these thoughts, and most of the time for me that's God because I'm a people observer, and is anyone else like that in here? Yeah, I love watching people. It kind of freaks me out. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's scary to watch people. (laughs) But especially in big groups like that, I started looking around and I was looking at the, I think it's still called this, like the Jumbotron. Is that what the big screen's called? I don't know. I think of hockey when I think of that. But um, I was looking at the huge screen because it was easier than looking down at the field. And um, I was just thinking how some of these people the greatest thing that they'll ever do is look like a fool on this big jumbotron. And I was thinking how many people dress up crazy at Cowboys games and they're, they're like willing to walk around looking like a crazy person in hopes that they become a person that gets on the camera. And not only that, there's people that go to every single game with groups of people and they have like little rituals they do. Like there's these guys that have these fingers and they like go, hey, hey, I don't know if you've ever seen them. I, don't, I have never seen them. Cole was telling me about them. And then there's just all these different people who are so committed to going to their team's game. And then last night there was people like on the opposite team and people were bold enough. I'm like walking down the halls and they're like, hey, you're wearing the wrong jersey, man. Do you know whose house you're in? And I'm like, I'm just thinking about all these things that I'm like listening to people say, watching people do. And then not only that, there's all these people with different men's names on their back that they've paid to wear a shirt that has someone else's name on it. And I started thinking about how like we'll wear Justin Bieber shirts or we'll wear like Metallica shirts or different people's faces on our clothes or different people's names. And like, it's really fun. Like I have a Witten jersey because I love Witten and but still, like, it's some other person's name, some other person's accomplishment. And I know that Pastor Jeremy's actually said some stuff like this in staff before, but it started making me think about how we are really called to be ambassadors for Jesus. And so often we can lose sight of the fact because we're on a church staff or because we get to be in the house of God, that that's not just like a staff mandate. It's a mandate from God for all of our lives. At the point that you become a Christian, we have a divine call and a divine um, opportunity to show people who God is. And I started thinking about how it's not the greatest thing that we'll ever do to be on a jumbotron or to be seen by the world as being crazy. (laughs) The greatest thing that we could do is be a servant of God and and show other people his love and his mercy. And so that's going to require some things out of us because the reason why this you're like thinking probably maybe like, yeah, I thought those thoughts before. That's great. I mean, I have two at some points, but it hasn't gone this deep because the things that I'm going to talk to you about today are personal to me because I've grown up in the church. I've grown up 
traveling around America and around the world with my parents when my dad was an evangelist. I've been on staff here. I've been in all different aspects. Growing up here from the time that I was 11 and seeing people on staff and all the different people who aren't still here and seeing the people that have left churches and and gotten to a negative place with God because of other people. And I just think about how with sports and with people in general, we're willing to wear brands and we're willing to wear the people's names and we're willing to say, hey, you've got the wrong jersey on, but we're not willing to wear the Jesus jersey all the time. Like, I know for me, and I'm just going to be really real, sometimes I walk into places hoping people don't know who I am. That people don't know that I'm a pastor. That people don't know that I'm in ministry. There was a time... Uh, and this is like something that's really convicting for me that I have learned from whenever we were going to Ephesus one time with our family, our dad's reading out of the Bible out loud and he's crying because my dad, if you know him, he's totally not scared of being who he is and talking about who God is. And, and for me, I was, I think I was about 18 and I, or 17. And I remember my dad reading from the Bible and crying. And I was thinking like, some of these people on this tour bus are not Christians. What if this is offending them? Like, and that was a real thought for me. Like, what if me loving God and and lifting up not just history, but who God is and and actually feeling something about it in front of people, what if that's offensive? Well, that was like a really convicting thing for me. In that moment, I realized like, what? Like, why am I thinking that? Like the most convicting probably word in the world is Jesus. That's why you can't say it in schools. That's why you can't talk about it openly in different countries. Because, and here's the interesting thing. It's not that it's, it's not con- like condemning where it makes people feel like there's no hope. It's convicting and it draws something out of people to where they have to take action. Because love requires you to take action. Yeah, yeah you can receive love and you can, you can go, oh, that feels great. But at some point, that love pushes you to take action. And people are uncomfortable with that. They're uncomfortable with what that means. And, you know, I think back to that moment and I think, about how differently I think about being open about Jesus. But still, there's times where I'm in places and I just want to chill. Like, have you ever gotten tired? Like, where you're just like, I don't want to put on my Christian hat today and have to worry about, did I look at someone rude? Because for me, my natural face is not a smile. Some people's it is, and they're angels. Like, if you naturally have a pleasant look on your face, that is not most of the world. My look is not pleasant. There's a name for it. And I've worked on it really hard. (laughs) And I'm not even upset. I just don't. It takes a lot to actually, like, make your face look nice for me. I don't know if anyone else is like that. But, like, for me, sometimes I don't want to have to push so hard. Because you guys know having a good attitude is not easy. There's a lot of things that can frustrate you in a span of, like, seconds. People, smells, a door not working. Sounds, that's a big one for me. Sounds and smells. That just sends me off the cliff. (laughs) And people usually make sounds and they smell. So it's like, (laughs) you know, pretty much everything in my life that I encounter. And for me, like being in that place and like there's this guy that's rooting for the other team last night and he's sitting next to Cole and Cole's like a hardcore Cowboys fan. So they're like both just as passionate, standing up yelling and I'm like sitting there like, wow, this guy is not scared of anything because Cole's really passionate. He's really passionate. They're going for different teams. I'm like feeling the tension <laughs> like inside of myself. And I think like 
That's how it feels sometimes walking into the world. Not, I'm not saying, I believe the Cowboys are God's team and stuff. Hello. But, you know, but here's the deal. In the world, the most of the people that you're going to encounter are not going to be as aware that they're carrying Jesus as you should be. Yeah. yeah. And instead of just shouting and saying, well, this is my team, wear the jersey or get off, we should be showing them the love of God. We should be showing them that there's a difference in us. We're not just yelling or following a team or following a religion. We have a relationship. You know, even if, like, something I talked to the intern girls about um, in this last previous class was, you know, if I never called myself a Christian, which is a made-up word anyways, people should know that I follow God. Jesus never said, I'm going to make you a Christian. That was actually a word that was made up to make fun of Christians. And now we like call ourselves that, and that's great, but we're not a religion. It's like it was referred to in the Bible as the way. It's the way of life. It's the relationship we have that separates us from people, and that's not to make you better. That's to make you more of a servant. Because it's love that leads people to repentance. It's not you telling them how they don't fit into this culture or how they're not the kind of person that you would want to pour into or I don't really have time for that right now or I, I've got something I've got to do. If, if I look at the Bible, Jesus was very interruptible, but he was never not annoyed. Sometimes he needed to get away from people and have a Sabbath and have rest and that's real. But if you notice, most of the miracles he did, he was like on his way to something. <laughs> he wasn't just like... So what do you guys need? Like he was like on his way doing something and people would grab him or people would come up to him or people would call on him. And guess what it said in the Bible? Almost every time it says, and there's so many miracles we don't even know about that aren't written in the Bible, but it says he was moved with compassion before he ever did a miracle. Like so many times we see that in the word of God. And I look at myself and so many times whenever I'm operating, I'm not moved with compassion before I take action. I'm moved with annoyance. I'm moved with uh, my own busyness or my own like because I mean for those of you that pay your own bills and take care of yourself and have a spouse there's a lot that can come up that you're dealing with in your mind that no one knows about right so you can be walking around dealing with things dealing with frustrations dealing with agitations dealing with real weight of your world but did you know you know I was thinking about those prayer requests and some of those people are in, like, a real emergency state where, like, I think, you know, there's times where I was listening to my sister pray behind me. And I was like, gosh, I remember where I'm like, just pray for me. And, like, I, like, am so hungry for someone to pray for me and to agree with me. But that's where people are every single day. We find ourselves there in moments. Hopefully you're not there every day because we should be leading the way and, like, going to God and getting help. And, of course, we always have things. But still, like, hopefully you're, God's helping you and you're asking him for help because he will. But... There are people that we're going to come across every day that are at that emergency state. And if we're too focused on our agenda, if we're too focused on what we're doing, if we're too focused on what we're annoyed with, and I'm just talking about myself here, we're going to miss the whole point of why we're here. And, you know, in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, it says, as co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. You know, we hear a lot, especially millennials, we hear a lot and we love the message of grace. We love the message of, you know, God will give you mercy and grace. And that's mostly with forgiveness that we want because we're going to mess up and we know we're going to mess up. So we're like, well, God's got me with his grace. He's got my back. It's interesting to know that you can use God's grace in vain. And, you know, mercy never runs out. But in the Bible, it says grace does. So you can use your grace in vain to the point where it says in the Bible, you trample on the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. 
And that's a very scary place for me to think about that, you know, and this is not for you to sit there and like go, am I at the limit? Am I, am I ever used up all my grace? And is it at the end? And I need to save some for later. Like, no, but I want to remind you that, you know, the Bible, and I'm going to read this next scripture where it talks about where God helps us, but we need to be very mindful of not, especially as leaders, especially as people who work at a church, which is the house of God, not just using God's grace in vain. We've been given salvation. We've been given love. We've been given healing. We've been given mercy. And if we don't show that to other people, what is the difference in us? Like, for me, I can get so focused on my job. Like, and this is just real. I can get so focused on my job tasks that I forget the whole purpose of what I'm doing is about people. Because I'm doing my job. Like, I'm helping the interns. I'm doing what I need to do. But what about people that God puts in my path? Is that an annoyance or is that a mandate from God? So in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will ref- refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. All that God requires of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. How does that happen? Like, I want, like, I want that. Like, if you're going to require something of me, I want it to be pleasant and easy to bear because most of the time I don't feel that way. I'm like, it's just another demand. It's just another call. It's just another thing I have to do and things I have to stop because naturally I'm not like, hi, everybody. Like, I just, it's just not my nature. I'm like, hey, what's up? So... If what God's requiring me to do and calling me to do is going to be pleasant and easy to bear, how do I do that? Well, a good ambassador for Jesus knows it's not and it's never about them. And it's a daily battle and we need God's help in order to make this work. Because if you notice right before it says everything that he's going to require out of us will be pleasant, easy to bear. It says, join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover. So we receive God we join our life to God. Then we learn his ways. In learning his ways, which I think never stops. And sometimes we can think, well, we've been in ministry a long time. Or we've been at church a long time. Like, being in McDonald's a long time doesn't make me a hamburger. Just because you're in this building, or even just because you've been on staff, doesn't mean you're fulfilling the call and mandate of God on your life. And that's why I said, be open with me, like with your hearts today, because I know there's a lot of things like whenever I'm sitting there last night, I'm going, God, I want to be better. Like, I want to push to be a better Christian, not just pastor. Like, I got to be a better Christian. Pastor's like a cute little name I'm given on the earth. But like following Jesus is my ultimate call. And so, you know, scripture talks about how God like requires things out of us and how, you know, we're going to learn his ways and operate like him. But we naturally, we naturally don't think of God first when we're doing things like that's just real because we're flesh. So flesh is natural. The thing that I've like learned in my life is that if it comes natural to me, it's probably not the right thing. That's what I've tried to learn in almost 30 years is going, Hmm, if that feels good, it's probably not right. Like, I don't know about you, but like, that's at least how I work. So like what I have to do is I have to think of myself less to be selfless. 
And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, He is strong when we are weak. His power is made perfect in our weakness. So if I realize I'm not good at something, which there's a lot I'm not good at, then I can go, God, I need your help. That's how it becomes easy and pleasant because we're not carrying the entire load. We're depending on God and we're inviting him into our situation. I think a lot of times in life where I feel like I don't have enough, like where I'm running out of steam or power or fire, I can always trace it back to somewhere that I'm not depending on God and I'm doing it in my own strength. Because when you're weak, God's power is made perfect. So I'm either not inviting him in or I'm just doing it in my own strength and I don't care or I'm not, I don't know. So I'm thinking about how, okay, an ambassador in the Bible over and over, it says, imitate me, follow me. You know, and I was looking up, of course, I was looking up the word imitate, which I have a hard time saying. I always say intimidate, which it's imitate, imitate. I've done that my whole life. Whitney knows probably why she's laughing. I'm like, don't, don't intimidate me. I mean, imitate me. <laughs> I had this uh, cat when I was little, like a puppet, and I called it, I think his name was Mimic. Copycat. Yeah. See, she knows because I used to mess with her. So I used to have this black and white puppet, and I called it Copycat, and I would just, like, walk around with my sister, and I would say everything she would, she would say, and she'd be like, stop it. I was like, stop it. Like, it was just the most retarded thing. But I would have it mimic every single thing she said, and whenever I was looking up the word imitate, it starts off, like the etymology of that word starts off and it talks about how mimicking, like a word in the Greek comes from the word that creates mimic, which means to mime, which is doing something without words. That's where a lot of us are. A lot of us receive God and we know the word of God and we're kind of trying to mimic or mime what God's doing, but it's not an active imitation that's an actual action that's outward or consistent. And whenever you look at the word imitate, it means to copy or portray. Or mirror. So whenever someone looks at me, do they go, oh, hey, that's Keela? Or do they go, or they go, oh, that's just Keela. It's fine. I know a lot of people do that with me. <laughs> but I want people to go, what's different about you? Like, maybe you used to be this way, but now you're being this way when I know you want to be that way. That has to be Jesus. Like, or I meet somebody out in the world and they're like, hey, uh, like my dad was talking about getting angry in airports. That's something sometimes my sister and my mom do too. I just kind of try to stay like this because like I have two levels, frustration and aggression. So I just stay like this. And, um, but like Whitney and my mom will get real feisty and stuff. But you think about moments like that where the things that just tick you off or frustrate you. Like, how are you engaging your spirit so that you're not operating in your flesh? Because we all have those limits. We all have those people that take us to that place. Not the good one. And in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, it says, Be imitators of me just as I am also in Christ. Isn't it interesting that we're told to be imitators of God, but yet we typically only give our time and energy to people who are worth it? We're like, oh, yeah, I feel good about myself because I care about this person because they're pretty. Like, I have this thing with my friends, and whenever we meet people, it's just natural. Like, it's not even, like, a bad thing. We're like, oh, she's pretty. Go meet her. I don't know why it's the way humans work in your brain. But if someone, 
like, and I'm not saying I think I'm pretty, but what I'm saying is if we see something in someone that's like us, we'll give them more time than we would someone who frustrates us. Or if we think someone looks desirable or nice, we'll go to them before we go to the person that's like, like they just got like a scheme, you know? (laughs) So if someone's weird or not like us, we steer clear. We don't have time for those people, but God doesn't send us to save the saved or people we like. He's called us to be an ambassador and save the lost, broken, and hurting, the people that annoy us and get on our nerves, the weird people that freak us out a little bit. That's who we're called to. Like, if you notice, the disciples were kind of annoyed with people who would come after Jesus. Like Mary, like the woman with the issue, like the different people that would come up and demand something out of Jesus. The disciples would be like, who do you think you are? And then Jesus would be like, hey, you're healed. Like, <laughs> like um, Jesus, she's using all of her perfume and she's wiping her hair on your feet. Couldn't we have used that for the poor? That's logical, but that's not engaging your spirit. And seeing past the moment. Like for me, there's just people I encounter. Like sometimes I ask myself, why are there so many weird people in the church? Why are they drawn here? I don't know. But that's who we're called to. So if there's people you don't like, if there's people you don't connect with, that's who God's putting in your path. And so um, in 1 John, as I'm ending, in 1 John 2, 3, and 6, it says, here's how we can be sure that we've truly come to know God. If we keep his commandments... If someone claims, I have come to know God by experience, yet doesn't keep God's commands, he is a phony, and the truth finds no place in him. But the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying, I am intimate with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. It's not enough to just know who God is, but we have to follow in his example. So that people can see God in us, not just hear us say we're a Christian or have that on our bio or post a nice scripture on our Instagram or Facebook. You know, I don't want to be the kind of Christian like Gandhi said when he said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. The word Christian means little Christ. If we're called to be someone who follows God, shouldn't we have something that reflects who he is to the world? You know, Victor Hugo said in Les Miserables, to love another person is to see the face of God. When you love somebody, that's how they're going to know who God is. When you take your time for somebody, that's how they're going to know who God is. They're going to be drawn to you at first, but then they're hopefully going to find God. You know, there's a lot of people that leave the church because of other people, because of their experience with people. And we don't like to think that sometimes we're the bad person in the situation. But the truth is that we've been entrusted by God to love people. And you can't be perfect, but you can always strive to be better. Because sometimes people are too immature to initially connect with God. They'll connect with you because they see something in you that's like them. But then if something doesn't connect, they'll disconnect with God. Because they see that that's who God is in you. And I know for me, there's been times where I could... I mean, you can't like necessarily take responsibility and go, I'm the exact reason. But there's been like people that have left the church either because of offenses that aren't even real or different things. And I'm like, God, I want to be better through that. If someone hates me or if someone's upset about something about me, you can't always go apologize, but you can always self-reflect and you can always grow and be better. You know, the last thing I want to just tell you really quick is I learned about um, the Rooney family who owns the Steelers 
and maybe you guys are like, yeah, we all know the Rooney family. You're weird. But like, I didn't know about the Rooney family. Um, and Dan Rooney took over for um, art and he took ownership of the team eventually. And then he also became the Irish ambassador in 2009. And what he would do is he would go to every single county in Ireland and he would have pockets full of Steelers pins. And he would just pass them out to like dignitaries, to like famous people, to peasants. He would give Steelers pins to everybody. And I think about that and he, he, he came back and the people that are like over all the ambassadors basically spoke on his behalf and said, he's the best ambassador we've ever had. He's the most humble, loving, goes out of his way. He's the first ambassador that went to every single area and didn't care if the person was really important or if they were literally sitting in trash, he gave them what he had. And I think about how he was passionate about America, he's passionate about his team and what he owned and what it represented to him. And I just want to leave you with this thought, what are you passionate about? Because that's what you're going to give out of. If you're passionate about Jesus, you're going to give out of who he is and who he's been to you. This is the call we all have as Christians, and you cannot be faithful with what you've been given or where you find yourself at today if you don't know what you're passionate about and you aren't directly connected as an ambassador with your call. How would Jesus speak to that person? How would he look at them? How would Jesus treat this person? The greatest thing that we're going to do in Jesus' name is not going to be on a jumbotron or wear another man's or woman's name on a shirt. The greatest thing that we could do is wear the Jesus jersey and that people know, hey, what team are you for? Like, they know it by looking at us. They know by how we walk. They know by how we live, who we follow. So hopefully that encourages you today. Hopefully that kind of gives you like just another like little push into not getting tired, not taking a break from people because you always need a Sabbath. You always need some space to breathe. But usually the people that frustrate you and annoy you are the ones you're called to. So don't run away from that. Don't get frustrated by that. I'm saying this to myself. This is what God is speaking to me because I'm called to those people. I'm not just called to my job. Some of you might not always work here. The interns won't always be the same interns, but we will always have this call from God. So I want to be a good ambassador. And hopefully you do too, that one day you go to heaven and just like, you know, this Rooney guy, Dan Rooney, that they said he was the best ambassador we ever had, that God goes, you are the best ambassador I ever had when I placed you there. I want God to say that about me. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Keela Craft Ambrose.